The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Joseph Sund. Hi, Father Joseph. How are we doing? Very well, thanks. And Victor Lambs. Hi, Victor. Hi, Dom. Happy to be here. So before we get into I want to introduce uh, Victor and Father Joseph to you, uh, the audience. But first, before we get into that, I want to recommend another show that's on the StarQuest Network that... I'm sure you'll enjoy. It's a show that I do with my wife, Melanie, called Raising the Bets. And we talk about our family life. We talk about uh, things that we're learning with the kids, places we go. But also, uh, we talk a lot about cooking. In fact, we've had listeners tell us, are you guys going to do a cookbook? No, <laughs> we're not doing a cookbook. <laughs> we, we we are one of those uh, people who talk about cooking in public who have no plans to do a cookbook. That's just way outside our wheelhouse. But we'd love to talk about cooking. We'll give you, you know, cooking uh, recommendations and recipes. We talk about books. And we talk about uh, movies and TV shows we watch. And we talk about faith. So check it out. It's called Raising the Bets. It's a pun on my last name. You can find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets, B-E-T-T-S. All right. So uh, before we get into our topic, I want to introduce our new panel. That's right. We have uh, a, n- a new panel. Ro- we, the, As you know, on Secrets of Tech, we do a rotating series of panels, and we formed another new panel uh, because we've had Father Joseph join us while I was out uh, for reasons, and we've, we've talked about that before. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was a long, strange trip. And uh, so Father Joseph had subbed in for me, which I'm grateful. And uh, Victor is joining us. So uh, first, Father Joseph, could you introduce yourself again to the audience? Yeah, I'm Father Joseph Sand. Um, I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Omaha, which is in Nebraska, dead smack middle in the country. Um, I am in five rural parishes throughout um, north central Nebraska. Um, So I reside in Atkinson, Nebraska, and then a bunch of towns surrounding there. Um, I'll challenge people to find that on a map. Um, (laughs) And so, um, yeah, big, most of my work is with high schoolers and our um, grade school and junior high. We have two schools. that I do a good amount of work in Um, and being in rural Nebraska and not having like a big IT company out there or anything. um, I do also end up being the um, resident IT guy. Awesome. All right. And uh, to kind of let folks know uh, something about you, tell us about your phone and your computer or computers, shall we say? Okay. So (laughs) um, my main phone, phone actually my only phone um is an apple iphone 11 okay um so i am an iphone user um i switched over from android um, about five years back um big reason is um before entering seminary i was a um management information systems with a specialty in information securities um and 
Apple has me convinced that their <laughs> phones are much more secure um, than Android phones. Okay. Um, and so that's my main reason that I like using um, Apple phones over Android. Okay. Um, my computers, plural, <laughs> um, my favorite computer that I own is um, a Tandy Model 100. <laughs> nice. The original. So <laughs> that one always works. Nothing goes wrong on that one. And if something goes wrong, there's a reset button on the back and it yep. works again. Um, but that's my collectible. Um, my main rig is a um, Linux box currently running Pop OS. That's Pop underscore OS explanation point. <laughs> Felt very weirdly. Yep. Um, and so that's my main rig. Um, and that was my own custom built PC that I've built myself. Um, and I won't go into the weeds on that one because it might convince you not to build a computer on your own. Uh, <laughs> that I've might be a, a future a headache. A future episode topic talking about uh, building your own computer. We've done a hackintosh with Father uh, Corey, so. It might be fun. Yeah. And then I also, I do have a MacBook and I do have a Windows laptop as well. Okay. All right, Victor. Uh, now, uh, you've been a part of the SQPN StarQuest family for for a while. You've been, you're on uh, Secrets of Stargate and you've been helping me with editing the Secrets of Star Trek and Secrets of Doctor Who for a few years. And now you're joining us on Secrets of Tech. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your tech background? Sure, Dom. Um... I am a uh, a husband and a father. We have four boys, and they are college age down to early elementary school aged. And uh, technology has been, I would say, a big part of my life uh, since growing up. Um, certainly, uh, you know, gaming was was a big part of my life. I've I've been playing computer games since I was. Well, I don't want to really say how old I was, <laughs> but nineteen nineteen seventy eight when when my dad brought home a a pet computer from work that uh, he had to fool around with. And we soon started just writing games on it and, and playing games. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, definitely there. I've, I use computers uh, to make music. Now I've been doing that since the early 90s with various MIDI keyboards. Uh, use my Commodore 64 with a home-built uh, MIDI interface at the time, then Macintoshes. Uh, now I'm pretty exclusively Windows-based. I have... Um, you know, Windows PCs that I've built for different purposes. Um, I have uh, some Linux PCs, but uh, for ease of use and what I need them to do and stability, I, I really prefer Windows. Um, and I'm also really big into uh, home automation. So uh, I have a number of uh, just uh, sensors that I've built out of, you know, microcontrollers and that sort of thing, just connected devices um, scattered around the house doing various things until they stop doing them. Uh, but <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's very, uh, it's, you know, very cool to to think of an idea for something and then, and then build it and, you know, watch it mm -hmm. pass data around and stuff. So, but uh, yeah. And in terms of phones, uh, Android, uh, I've been using Android now for about the past four years. I want to say um, was an iPhone user before that. Um, left Apple because of their, their updates tended to do unusual things 
to the devices at various times. And I think the last one was when it turned my iPhone into one of those, you know, pocket hand warmers <laughs> that just gets hotter and hotter and hotter. Yeah. And uh, as it was the middle of the summer, I didn't really appreciate that. So um went to went to Android. And, and yes, it is. It is an adjustment. Uh, mm. uh, but, uh, you know, if you can put up with the quirks, I, I like it. Awesome. Well, thank you both, and I'm glad that you're both joining joining us here on Secrets of Tech, and uh, it really adds to the diversity of uh, the tech knowledge. And I just love the fact that we have such a, a, a very, you know, we have Linux, Windows, Mac people, and we're all very passionate about the things we love about tech, and uh, we bring our own perspectives, and I think that's really helpful on the on the podcast. So let's get into our main topic today, which is we wanted to talk something fun. And, uh, we, you know, it's it's middle of January, so let's do something fun. And we'll, we're going to talk about our favorite video games, you know, and some of these, I, uh, as I'm looking at our list that we can go back a, a long ways. Yeah. Some of them have their roots back in the 80s and some of them are new and modern. And so, I, you know, would like to kind of go through some of the ones that we we love. Uh, Father Joseph, I'll, I'll start with you. What what are some of your favorite video games and favorite video game memories even? Yeah, so um I think my gaming level um I think our first system that we had in the house, I'm remembering it was either a Coleco or an Atari. Um mm-hmm. nice. And so enjoyed those. I remember um all those different Space Invader games and the yep. Um, Pac-Mans and all of those. Um, But the big ones that I really got into it was with our NES, our Nintendo system. Um, And I think my favorite one on that was Duck Hunt. Um, I kind of, as a little kid, I even had kind of that engineer mind in me. So the fascinating of how was the gun knowing where I was pointing on the screen um, and all of that, or did it? <laughs> <laughs> and so that that just fascinated me as a kid. Um, and then all those Mario games and all of that um, were fun. Um, my favorite game system of all time is the Sega Genesis. Yeah. Um, and... Sega and Son- <laughs> Sonic, um, NCAA football on that. I remember there was um, Bill Walsh's college football. Oh, wow. 93, 94. Um, and then um, before Madden had come out, there was another, there was a football game that was Joe Montana's Sport Talk football. And that oh, was wow. a fun yeah. one to play as well. Um, cool. And then. Um, NBA Live, all of those on Sega. Um, just a really simple and fun nice. game system. Nice, yeah. See, I never, I never was able to. Well, my parents never got me a game system when I was a kid. I had friends who had them. Um, we were, we were. I was pretty much an Apple II. Games on Apple II were were what I what I could get. Um, but uh, I always wanted to get. I think it was a ColecoVision back in the day. Oh yeah, um, man. Th- those I there was the the head to head games like where you could play, you know. I mean, it seems so lame now, but back then the idea that you could play two people play at the same time and you know it it just was 
you know, fantastic. Um, yeah, it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. All right. Um, and uh, how about you, Victor? What do you, you know, what are your favorite games of all time? Yeah. So, I mean, looking back, I mentioned my dad would bring computers home. He taught me how to, you know, program in basics. So I could make simple games. Um, you know, the, uh, I think probably one of the most transformative moments for me, I, I grew up in a college town, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, at, at that time, the arcade craze was just starting to sweep through, you know, uh, Space Invaders had come out um, and there were a number of arcades in, in, in town. And my parents, uh, you know, God bless them, would, would take me out to the arcades and give me like a handful of quarters and, and I could play games. So when I saw Pac-Man, uh, you know, I was like, I was five years old and I just like latched onto that, like the character, everything, um, about it. And, you know, there became a big cultural craze. There were Pac-Man songs, lunchboxes. I had the, the metal lunchbox, Dragon's Lair, the same thing. So the arcades, I think I have a lot of really affectionate memories and fond memories of, of spending time in the arcades first with my parents. And then, uh, later on, as I grew, grew up with my, my friends in high school and, and college, just, uh, you know, wasting time and, and quarters uh, at the various arcades and stuff. So that uh, definitely that uh, Commodore 64 was my main gaming uh, machine until I got a, a Sega master system and then a Genesis um, Nintendo 64 PlayStation. My favorite console I would have to say is either the Nintendo GameCube or the Sega Dreamcast because of their design. And I, and the, you know, the, Hardware, the games were fun, certainly, but the Nintendo GameCube, I think, is like a perfectly designed product. It's it's a perfect cube. It has these little three and a half inch discs that it used. Um, was one of the first systems to have dual analog uh, joysticks. So, and there were a lot of really fun, colorful, bright and cheery games on it. And um, I think definitely when I look at a game, that's what really resonates for me is 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 there a world being creative? How do you interact with this world? Um, you know, gameplay is, is, is another aspect of it. Uh, is there enough for you to do? Is, are the goals challenging? But certainly, is there a sense of imagination and wonder mm -hmm. as you're entering this world? Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's really appealing to me. Nice, nice. Yeah, you mentioned uh, going to the arcades, whether I'm old enough that that was a, a part of my memories as a, as a kid. And going to a place that was a dedicated you throw the quarters in to play yeah. uh sort of place and the games were just so exciting you i remember that feeling of walking in and you hear the noise and there's this and there's the the the, the lights and the and it just which one do i go to first and you know there's just that possibility and my favorites were oh gosh any any driving or flying game there was one that was like i i'm terrible at remember my memory is terrible but um there was like an f15 one where you could sit in yeah. it and the and the seat yeah. moved yeah. after burner right? after burner yes thank yeah, you fourteen yeah yeah that was the, I loved like anything like that there was the um remember that one that was like a looked like a, a Disney cartoon the Dragon Knight I think it was called uh, yeah Dragon's Lair Dragon's by, Lair uh, by Don it, Bluth it looked amazing but it just it it was basically a bunch of cutscenes tied together yeah <laughs> but it looked like at the time people just lost their mind over this because it was i mean it looked if you if you brought it out today and you kind of made it not cutscenes but it could pass as a as a game today it, it was pretty awesome 
I, I don't know if I should admit this, but I would pay. I had a friend who was really good at it and I was not good at it because the timing you had to memorize all the inputs. I would yep. pay him to like play through the entire game so I could see like all the different scenes and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's like, funny. That yeah. is awesome. I'll be like, here's, here's 50 cents. Go play it. <laughs> but I'd be like, whatever. So, uh, yeah, no, the, the arcades and, and that sense of excitement and just the sounds, it was like pure sensory, like overload, overload. And you'd hear like Sinistar off in one corner going yep. like, run, coward, beware, I live. And then like Wizard <laughs> of War and the other one. And then, you know, Qbert falling off his little pyramid and stuff. And it was just I, I think, I mean, kids are really missing out. I've, I've tried to take my kids to, you know, arcades. It's, but they're more like, you know, entertainment destinations than they would be just a place where you're walking by and you just stop in for 20 minutes and right, right. some time. But yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, you still can find them sometimes like at the beach or like, like vacation places. There'll be arcades, but they're nowhere. Uh, well, I was going to say they're nowhere near as good, but they, they were probably pretty lame from an adult point of view back then too. So they're probably just as good now. But uh, yeah, I remember some of those, like you always see, like I can still hear the Pac-Man in the corner. Wah, 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 wah. You know, like it, yeah. it, it just, it's just awesome. I, Donkey Kong. I loved, uh, you know, the shooting games, uh, but uh, some of the ones I really love to do because where the, the ones where you could, two players could play at once and even cooperative. And there was uh, yeah. like Galaga was one of my favorites arcade games and um uh it was Galaga and Centipede was the other Centipede, one it yeah. was like that yeah but uh so m- for me my favorite kind of PC game is strategy i love strategy games uh simulation games so for like my favorite of all time is the civilization series by uh uh um uh, what is his name Sid Meier? Sid Meier. Right, right, right. Yep. And I've played Civilization from, I'd say, Civ 2, maybe 3, to today, Civ 6. And it, it, you know, it just gets better all the time. And it iterates. I mean, it's not the same game as it was then. There's the basic concept is the same, which is that you start in an ancient world with a tribe and you and you, you you're playing one of the civilizations of history, the Romans, say. And you found a city and you and you and you build cities. You have to develop the resources you uh, have engaged in diplomacy or war, which is diplomacy by other means, as the (laughs) saying goes. Um, And, you know, and you're trying to conquer the world in a sense. You you can either do you can either conquer the world or you can have other kinds of victories now, like science victory, diplomatic victory, so on and so forth. And. It's and the games can go on for quite a long time, hours and hours. You play it over the course of days and days and days, and I just I find it I don't know relaxing just to kind of get into the game. And I, you know I'm not cutthroat about it. I know there are people who are cutthroat about this sort of game, and they love to play online against other people. And it's I I just enjoy the I like the building part of it. It's like Lego on a computer, you know. And I suppose that's sort of the appeal of games like Minecraft too. Ooh. <laughs> I, I'm the biggest Minecraft fan <laughs> out there, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy strategy games. I try to get into them, especially the space, like the four X games where uh-huh. there's like this whole galaxy and you have to build ships and outfit your ships and send them off. They just tend to turn into war of attrition games with me where I spend all my time building up my little empire of three planets or three little cities in civilization. Then all uh-huh. of a sudden, like 
barbarians come over the mountains or the other, you know, <laughs> civilizations come at me and I'm, yeah. I'm completely unprepared. And then it's just, a, and then it's just like watching them conquer my little planets and cities one by one until, you know, there's nothing left. So never put me in charge of a uh, military campaign or anything like that because, <laughs> because it will not go well. That's, that's right. Uh, Another game, one of my favorite games of all time, and I'm kind of excited that it's back, although I haven't picked it up yet, is Myst. Uh, and Myst really hits that button you said, Victor, about the games that 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 envelop you in a story. I mean, it's, it was the the original one, and the technical achievement of Myst it was just as amazing as the gameplay itself yes. because they got this amazing looking game running on these old old computers by you know, by all, all kinds of these amazing tricks that they did, you know, the they animated only a part of the screen and and but they got away with it by the way that they told the story. And the story itself was so original and interesting. They ended up make, uh, writing some books based in that world that I read, uh, that, which were, were pretty darn good. And uh, and now they have missed for the Oculus Quest like you can go. Oh, no way. And you can actually walk through the world of Mist and interact with it as opposed to just, you know, see it on the screen. And it was, and again, Mist was cutscenes because it was older tech, you know, so you would click on a thing and you would transport essentially to the next visual image and you could move, turn around and things would be moving, but it was, there was, there were some, some tricks in, in, uh, and stuff, but now yeah. it's all thanks to modern computers m- moving and you're in the, uh, in the world. And so I, I just, I, I haven't gotten it yet. But it's on my list of things to, to, to check out because it was pretty amazing. I, I really love that game. Um, the puzzles were fun. I'm I'm not a huge puzzle fan. Like, I, I like crossword puzzles and stuff. But puzzle, like, you try to figure out how to get past the obstacle by, you know, finding the gadget and putting it in the right slot and matching things up. I, I, I'm not a huge, I don't have a lot of patience for that. But for some reason, Mist really, it, it, it appealed to me, even though it was that type of game. So I really enjoyed that. Hope, hopefully for the VR, they fix the uh, the mine uh, cart puzzle. <laughs> I, I actually went out because I had read about it in like, you know, electronic gaming or something. And like day one, I bought the the mist and I had a Macintosh that could play it. And I, I like got all the way through it. And then there was a bug in the initial game oh. that you could brute force your way through but you oh, know that's uh, the worst <laughs> yeah but so so i did finish it but you're absolutely right about the way the story was told um you know you're finding pages of books and you're hearing two different sides of the same story you know one person's telling the truth the other person's lying and that was really unique storytelling yeah and um it's it's hilarious too that the two brothers in the game are played by brothers Rand and Robin Miller. Yep. Who um you know Rand was like the programming guy who said, "Hey, this new HyperCard thing is really cool." And HyperCard was really cool. I don't know oh. why Apple killed that, but that Loved it. is yeah. And then Robin who's like, you know, the uh, the artistic music uh, you know, guy who did the music, but they made a number of children's like CD-ROM products before then, the Manhole, mm-hmm. and then one that I played like all the time in high school does despite being like 10 years too old for the, you know, demographic was a uh, cosmic Osmo and the world's beyond the mackerel. Oh yeah. Such a goofy, goofy, fun game. And um, yeah, missed, missed, love missed. Yeah. Yeah. It was hypercard was amazing. I used hypercard when I was uh, in college doing a, uh, I took a biology class and I built a hypercard about the aerobic and anaerobic cycles as a study guide for my class 
Uh, but the process of building the the stack was the studying part for me. And then I yeah. just handed it off to classmates for them to use to to study study for it with. Uh, but I loved HyperCard. It was such it was so far beyond its time. And I think that's part of the problem. It was so advanced for <clears throat> the hardware they were trying to run it on. I remember doing HyperCard in um, great in junior high school. We had uh-huh. HyperCard. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I kind of wish they'd bring it back. It could still be you could still use it. You know, if you updated it for a modern operating systems. What uh, and then from the past to today. I mean, one of my favorite games to play today. Like I'll go back to this time and time again. There's two of them. They're like the original and the sequel that are on uh, iOS. Alto's Odyssey and Alto's Journey. And they're endless runner games. And an endless runner is where basically the character just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And you have to go get past obstacles and accomplish things until they crash. And then you start again. And so mm-hmm. there's no end. There's no end, you know, finish line. It just goes and goes. And it's so relaxing. I mean, it, the music is beautiful. The graphics are simple yet gorgeous. Uh, the environment that it's in, you know, this, they have sunsets and there's uh, rainstorms or snowstorms. And it's just I find it so like beautiful and relaxing. Uh, they have it for, like I said, it's on the iPad. You can play it on your phone. Uh, I play it on the Apple TV sometimes. The nice big screen um, used and you could and it's a one button interface. So it's just you press and hold. So use doing on the remote works just fine. And uh, it's, it's just such a beautifully designed game and really fun. I mean, I'm not I'm not a Twitch. Like I said, I'm not like a Twitch gamer. I don't get into like the battle games as much. I've played mm-hmm. them. But the this kind of game really, get you know, appeals to me. Uh, so I really love that one. Yeah, I, I have played that. That is very relaxing uh, until you pass the, the campfire and that guy comes chasing after you. I don't know what his deal is. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In Alto's uh, journey, it becomes uh, a monkey that chases you. So, oh, you know. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a monkey. I forget what it is. It's, it's some creature. Um, a couple others I want to mention, of course, uh, with the recent passing of John Madden, I have to mention Madden NFL. Just, you know, it's the pinnacle of sports video games. I mean, I've I've played a bunch of different ones, but Madden NFL was the end all and be all of, uh, and still is. I mean, it's still, it's still out there. Um, EA Sports. It's in the game. I mean, I just I could hear that in my head you know, all the time. Just It's just such a fantastic uh, video game. Um, simulation. Were, were you the vo- were you the voice to that intro? That sounded really yeah. realistic. <laughs> I've, oh, I've, uh, he's got him running around over here. It's uh, I can't do John Madden, but yeah, <laughs> the guy comes up over. Look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's a it's such a fun game, and the fact that it had all of the actual players. Like there were football video games before, but they didn't have like the 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 actual pro players represented, the actual pro teams. And that, I think, is one of the things that sort of set it apart from the ones that came before. You could play your team, and it was, like, your guys. So Yeah, you had Tecmo Bowl. You had Tecmo Bowl, yeah. but I think they did have, the, like, one or two players in it. And I remember yeah. you could you could be Bo Jackson, and Bo Jackson was just <laughs> unstoppable. Oh, that's awesome, because Bo knows. <laughs> so, so not to blow your mind about John Madden football, but it started off as an Apple II project. Really, and they I think just I remember could that. Not, yeah, they yeah they had a limited one, but it, they just couldn't get it to run until they got finally into like the 16 bit, the Genesis. Yeah, and then of course the uh, the NHL spinoffs uh, were really popular up here during college and stuff. Too. Right, right, yeah. 
A um, couple of the ones I, I want to talk about is uh, I remember I don't remember the name of it, but I remember when I was it's uh, I was I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville and I was on the school paper uh, staff at the time, and I had managed to get this this the student senate to buy us all new Macs. So we had like new Macs to lay out the paper. Like we had advanced tech. We even had our own laser printer. I mean, we were advanced for 1994. And we, uh, we, we, we set up a network and we ended up um, finding this battle tank game that we could play networked. I mean, again, this is 1994. This isn't like today where you, you know, everything is online, you know? And, and it just, we would spend, after we'd put the paper to bed, we'd spend hours just, you know, playing this tank game against each other and trash talking across the room and just so, so much. I mean, that's the thing I love is, is it was so such a simple game. It was like red dots and wireframes. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't about the visuals. It was about the fun and the playability. And really, I think we lose sight of that sometimes with modern games. Although there are a lot of these eight bit games that are out there that, that kind of eschew the, the, you know, high tech realistic graphics to really go for the gameplay so i think some people get that still but i think it was just i think it was just called battle tanks Uh, probably yeah if it play if it ran on a mac yeah yeah there was a mac and a pc version of it and i think it was a shareware gang so shareware meaning that um you could play like the first couple levels of it right but then you had to pay the price of it to um oh yeah to keep it and to keep going. Wow. Yes. Shareware. Yeah. And it really is telling too what you were talking about there. You know, we, we call that now we call that, you know, couch uh, multiplayer, right? Because you're in yep. the same room, you're on the same couch with somebody and the very first, well, that's actually was somewhat networked too, but um, the very first computer game was a multiplayer game, space war, which was, you know, developed by the uh, tech model railroad club at MIT yep. in the early sixties. Um, you know, two players, gravity simulation spaceships firing at each other and um so yeah i I think that's you know along with the whole you know world aspect that whole you know can can you play it with with someone and someone with with uh you know kids definitely i've they are all into video games as well so if we can get like four you know even all six of us sitting down and and playing Mm -hmm. a game together on on the nintendo switch that's uh that's a good time oh yeah by the way, I found Battle Tanks on a website. Crazygames.com has it. It looks, I mean, it looks like the original. Uh, you basically, you're running around a maze trying to find the other guy and shoot him before he shoots you. I mean, it's yeah. very simple, but so much fun. But yeah, I just found it. Crazygames.com. I am I am tempted. I won't do it now, but I am tempted to uh, play it sometime later. But, uh, the, yeah, we should do a Let's Play uh, video or something. <laughs> so, be... Do some t- Twitch streaming, SQPN streams. Uh... <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> Uh, and then the the last thing I want to mention for me is uh, I love flight simulators. They were Ooh, always yeah. big for me. Um, like Microsoft Flight Sim, the original on the on the Apple II. That was uh, and uh, there was one X plane for Mac. Yes, yep, was yep. amazing. It was a it was the uh, a a a project of love by this one programmer who basically just got the physics and flights characteristics of every plane he could get his hands on, including the space shuttle and, and put it in this game. And it was just amazing. I loved it. And in fact, when I was on the CompuServe, CompuServe was one of the original online services, uh, Mac game forum, 
we had a flight sim club that we would all fly together uh, when we could, and we'd fly X-Plane. There was also a, a networked, like a, I, mean, I mean, an online, uh, like a World War II flight sim, which was a, basically it was red versus blue, and you'd fly whatever mm. plane you want, and, and it was like 100, 100 people at a time in the, in the arena, just all in dogfighting one another. I just, it's so much fun. I could never land. I could fly. Yes. I could never land. Landing is hard. That's in a simulator. Yeah. I just would yeah. always crash. But um, I love flight simulators. And if I could, my dream is Starfighter Squadrons, the uh, the um, PS5 game, Star Wars, Star Wars Squadrons, I guess. It, I forget what exactly what it's called. But it's That's basically right. an X-Wing TIE Fighter game with VR. Like where you're in the cockpit, I would probably get motion sick. I'm just knowing me, but if I could, I would just. That's my. I would love to be able to do that. That's amazing. You know, it would be amazing. But uh, yeah, so that, that yeah. those are some of my favorite video games of all time. Yeah, when you think about it, the flight simulators, were like the first open world games. Like now, you know, every yeah. game oh, yeah. is is open world. But I mean, I would play Flight Simulator, Microsoft Flight Simulator Two on my Commodore sixty four with a horrible wireframe graphics. Yes. Take off from Miggs Field in Chicago, and really, if you're eight years old, like the most hilarious thing you do is like fly the plane right into the Hancock Tower, right? it, because it was <laughs> impossible to play. It was just so slow, and, and yep. you know the graphics were so oh, well man. for the time they were pretty good. Back but, back when you didn't need a three thousand dollar computer to play Microsoft Flight yeah. Simulator, because <laughs> right, now exactly now you need a pretty expensive computer, and I'm talking before the graphics card shortage. Yes. Right, yeah. right. I, I know. I mean, I like you talk about the graphics. I'm just, I can still picture like the taking off. It was always Chicago. That was the default field. <laughs> yeah. Was the mid, midway field? Is it? Migs, Migs. Migs. That was Migs. on the lake, it's, right? Yeah, you can't. I don't know if they've, I don't think they've reopened it, but they, they yeah. closed it about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, 9 11, I think after 9 11, they closed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, flying into the Sears Tower or whatever that's called now. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, doing that, it, going cross country. Like I want to fly from Chicago to Boston, so I'm just going to start flying. And it's like, yeah, this is going to take a long time because it's sort of <laughs> yeah. real time. Yeah, so, so I'm not going to do that. And it's just like green. Everything under you is just green. Yeah, because there's no yeah, blue, green, <laughs> water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean now flight simulators are like you said. I mean they they require heavy duty hardware because they're so detailed like you have real time weather the actual weather outside is what you're flying through and oh wow people can play as air traffic control and and and, and it, it's it's so detailed it's like it, it's not for nothing that some terrorists have used flight simulators yeah, to plan their attacks yeah. it's amazing that 2001 you think about it the controversy was that they were using Microsoft Flight Simulator 98. Yeah, yeah. And look back wow. at the graphics on that. But it was so detailed. The cockpits, all the controls were so realistic Yeah, that it allowed them to train. Right, right. Um, using that simulator, which is just crazy to think about that, you know, Software that was running on Windows 98 or Windows <laughs> ME was able yeah. to do that. I wonder if, like, Clippy would show, uh, pop up. Hey, <laughs> hey there, it looks like you're trying to hijack a plane. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I can help. <laughs> Bye, Clippy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Clippy. Oh, man. So, um, any other, just before we wrap up, anything else you want to mention about the favorite video game memories or favorite video games? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't call out my favorite series of all time, uh, the Legend of Zelda series, which mm. oh yes, um, has been sparking my imagination since 1985, I think. So, uh, yeah, going on almost 40 years now, but starting off on the original Nintendo Entertainment System, the idea that you would have this open world that you could explore, um, you know, Sh- Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, uh, you know, it was one of his things with with the games that he developed, you know, the Super Mario series is that this is a world and it's a fantastic world and you can explore it. And um, you you could explore it, but there is like, you know, sword fighting and magic and stuff. And then through through that to Ocarina of Time, which um, blew everyone's minds when that came out in 98, 99 on the Nintendo 64, because it was a living, breathing world. There were villages, there were people in the villages mm-hmm. and you could talk to them. Um, and then through Wind Waker, which was the departure for the series, you're sailing a ship across the world and salvaging treasure and going discovering hidden islands in order to you know solve that uh you know puzzle there and then most recently with breath of the wild which i think is probably um just in terms of hours played but i think it's it's one of my favorite probably my most favorite game of all time is is the legend of zelda breath of the wild and and that is because of it's built on that foundation of all the other zelda games but has created a large open-ended world where everywhere you go you look and you see a mountain in the distance you're like i bet you i could climb to the top of that mountain and with the right (laughs) equipment you can and there's something there and there's some little puzzle there or some little person there for you to talk to and um you know it's just a it's a really fantastic experience and all of our uh all of our boys have have played it you know even uh, you know when they were four or five years old running around just like i just want to explore i just want to run through this field and you know, see what happens if I, you know, set this on fire or, you know, shoot this at this or something, you know, but it's, it's, uh, you know, can I jump off this mountain with a glider and how far can I fly? You know, so it's just mm-hmm. a sense of wonder that's in that. And that's really, you know, kind of what spoke to me first, uh, in video games and, and kind of what, uh, you know, something like that can, it can bring me back. Yeah. Video games are not just frivolous time wasting, which, you know, my, I think maybe my parents were the generation that, Saw it maybe as, you know, a waste of time. Uh, I like to think that uh, Gen Xers like me are have good memories of, of good video mm-hmm. games and can pass on. You know, there are there, there are games that are worth your time and, and frankly, games that aren't worth your time. And that and some of them are very popular that aren't worth your time. Uh, and it would be best that we, if if we could pass on to our kids, say, in, if it's not too late or to their kids eventually, a, a love of. The wonder, the storytelling possibilities in video games. Video games are can be amazing ways to tell stories or to relax or to engage in, in just plain fun, simple fun, mm-hmm. or, you know, or, or to use your brain or to various things like that. I mean, you, you shouldn't live in your basement, that's for sure. But, you know, when you have some downtime and you need some, you know, something to occupy your time, I mean... There's a generation that stares at the TV all day, for hours and hours yeah. a day. I mean, at least with video games, you're somewhat involved with it. You're interacting with it. So I'm not saying video games are the, you know, the, the way you should spend all your time. But uh, there is something there there is something worthwhile in a lot of video games that are out there. So, yeah. And I would encourage encourage your kids to play Minecraft. I mean, my kids have basically learned how to code from an early age just mm-hmm. by playing Minecraft because, you know, the other yeah, zombies and skeletons, you can fight them if you want. But if you go into creative mode, you can build essentially machines and computers out of, you know, redstone and pistons and, and all these other 
things and you can you know i'll walk in our kids are five and six years old they're like look what i built and, the, and it's uh, this huge detailed you know fireworks launcher that's activated whenever you step on a trigger plate and they're building conveyor belts that cook food it's it's yeah. um it's it's cool. there's a reason yeah it's very cool yeah sorry this, <laughs> i just wanted to put in that minecraft is Definitely. uh is yeah is it's it, and you can play it with your kids if you all have it on your phones or tablets you can all go into each other's worlds and build a house with them build a railway that goes across a continent you know it's it's a great way to spend time with your kids uh mm. if you if it's not nice enough to go outside excellent excellent i wanted to add a couple of my um couple of my steam platforms which steam is a online gaming where you purchase the games through um and my favorite right now is awesome knots i don't know if you've seen this one it's kind of like your red versus blue battle game um and i kind of describe it as a little bit of like a capture of the flag type and so you're you're online with two teams of three randomly assigned teams of three, um, and just your goal is to get to the other team's base and destroy their base. Um, and kind of fun. Um, Albion Online is a open world thing too. Um, and then Rocket League is yeah, um, it's like soccer with cars. Which sounds really yeah. weird until you play it, and then it's just addictive. Um, and then um, tabletop simulator is a good play on things, and that's where you actually play tabletop games um, with other people, and that's a fun one. Um, and then we're talking about all of our favorite old games. Um, there's the Ant Stream Arcade that gives you a lot of those older games to play i'll have to, I'll have to um, check that out and then my new favorite game which is a free game um is spelt very horribly <laughs> um which is called i made a game with zombies in it um and it's basically a zombie shoot 'em up game but it's don't worry it's like nintendo like graphics almost okay like, so it's um it's a double joystick. So you're just using the joysticks um, to move and to shoot. And your goal is to not get killed by zombies um, as you shoot them. Um, and then of course um, I forgot to mention my all time favorite, which is SimCity 2000. Yes. Oh, yes. Deluxe. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, the um, hours playing the original one on the Mac classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which you always have stuck in your head reticulating yes. splines. Yeah. <laughs> reticulating. Yes. It, the uh, disaster mode when you'd have like the alien invasion. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. yeah. I, love, I love that. Those were good. SimCity is great. And then Victor mentioned um, programming in basic. And that was actually probably my first throwing into gaming was my dad taught me to program when I was like six on mm -hmm. Microsoft nice. Q basic. Um, and so when I was like 12 or 13, um, I was really big into, it was WWF wrestling at the time. And I wrote a text-based wrestling simulator. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. It was really fun. Um, and I think it's still on a 386 in my parents' basement somewhere. Sometime <laughs> if I have the energy yeah. to dig it up, I can get it off, but. 
That would be amazing yeah. to see. <laughs> this was back in the days when, when if you'd asked your dad for a new game, he'd hand you a copy of Compute Magazine or Commodore Ahoy Magazine that had mm-hmm. games in there, but you had to type them in. <laughs> yep. Sometimes in basic, but sometimes in assembly language, which is oh. four pages of hexadecimal strings. And they have to all be entered exactly correctly or the game will not compile and run. So oh, yeah. that was, uh, it wasn't as, as simple as just buying a cartridge. Yeah, my dad my dad had the pile of basic magazines that we would copy yeah. code out of. It's like, Dad, uh, can I get a bike? Sure. Here's some wood and some rubber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Here's here's a popular mechanics magazine where they tell you how to build a bike. There's <laughs> a hammer and some uh, welding gear. <laughs> All right, so I think that we should uh, wrap up oh, absolutely. Our, our discussion of video games. That was a uh, fantastic, a lot of fun. I'm I'm really. Uh, pleased with the the discussion and uh we we were I, I, you guys are the lucky ones the other panelists all wanted to get in on it too uh, but i i saved this for you guys for your first panel together uh they had some great suggestions of their own and maybe we'll bring those back uh, at another time uh before we move on to our headlines i want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology including samuel w scott k rudolph q amy c and jennifer s their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So let's talk about some headlines. Father, you mentioned earlier the problem of uh, crypto miners uh, sucking up all of the uh, the uh, graphics cards. Well, now they're taking up the CPUs. This headline says uh, crypto miners now gobbling up AMD CPUs because graphic cards are too expensive. And the uh, story here is that there's a new crypto. So to to mine Ethereum or Bitcoin, which are the two biggest uh, cryptocurrencies right now, you have to run algorithms and you have to compute algorithms using heavy duty computing hardware. Bitcoin miners are, are essentially specialized computers now. And Ethereum requires a heavy duty graphics card. And so there's this new one called Raptorium, of course, because they have these weird <laughs> names. And it's supposed to make it available for regular folk to be able to mine coin themselves and so this one will run on regular consumer cpus well the problem is all these miners are running out to buy the consumer cpus and making them more scarce for the people like us so especially apparently the amd ryzen and ryzen 9 3900x and ryzen 9 5900x cpus so what do you guys think of this uh, father i know you recently were were buying a uh a, a cpu yourself or was it an amd and did you have trouble getting it? I did not have trouble getting it. And actually, I lucked out on mine. So I benefited from an Amazon mess up on a ship. So oh. I had I was ordering a Ryzen 5, which is about a mid-level processor, right? Um, uh-huh. They shipped me a Ryzen 7, um, which is $180 more than what I asked for. Oh, wow. Um, now the what happened was they slapped the wrong label on it, um, and so when I opened it, I saw it was a Ryzen seven, not a Ryzen five. Um, now Amazon, being Amazon, you called you. I decided to be honest and call them, right? <laughs> of course. And they said, "Yeah, keep it." So, <laughs> wow, um, nice. yeah, nice. 
must be nice to be Amazon and not worry about 180 bucks, right? So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. they're making it up somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, if these miners are doing this, all I can say is, why doesn't somebody talk to their parents? <laughs> right. Get well, off now, my lawn. <laughs> well, apparently, speaking of mining, like so, the the country of Kazakhstan in in Asia, which used to be part of the Soviet Union, uh, is it and going to probably some... will be again soon? <laughs> right, <I know. laughs> the way things are going, yeah. Uh, they're apparently undergoing. They're going through some political problems, and so the government shut down the internet in the whole country, and twenty five percent of the bit of the crypto mining. Uh, hardware in the world went offline. Oh, wow. It was like, I don't know if it was exactly 25, oh but it was some large percentage. And it's like, yeah, wow. Uh, so a lot of this this is going on in these non-first world countries. You know, like the, the, the it's just amazing to me um, what's well, going hear, on with all this crypto. Hear- horror stories when Ultima Online first came out that like people were were making bread or farming or something and World of Warcraft people just in you know developing nations were they still do I guess for these games you know and I guess that was kind of a proto cryptocurrency where it was like you know the bread and the minerals in these games that they would you know mine for other players to buy with with real dollars yeah it's amazing that that people are working under slave conditions I mean now instead of having uh, uh, c- cyber cafes full of people gaming. They just have the PCs running. You know, they don't have people sitting at them necessarily. Um, but it is it is kind of wild, and it you know there are ethical questions about you know the crypto mining having to do with uh, use of resources and and that sort of thing. But uh, but I thought it was interesting that you know. So let's make it available to everyone and use consumer PC yeah. CPUs. And, and then what you, instead of helping everyone, you're messing up the supply chain for people even worse. What I am looking forward to is a year, 18 months from now, when all these Ryzen 9 processors hit eBay. Yes. When people realize this isn't quite the gold mine they thought it was. <laughs> and uh, you can pick up a Ryzen 9 and maybe a nice gigabyte motherboard or something for, for two or three hundred dollars. So. <laughs> right, right. I'm waiting for the graphics cards to go down in price. Yeah, yeah. That, that's been <laughs> but a big problem. Des- but they've destroyed those graphics cards, right? So when the, um, when the crypto miners use the graphic cards, they modify them. And yeah. so the graphic cards that oh, have no. been used for crypto mining can't be used for anything else because they've modified them. They've pulled the display parts out of them in their modified graphics cards a lot of times. Yep. Yeah. And the other the other thing I would say with that is if you do have an old PC, don't throw it away. You know, give it to somebody who can, you know, modify it, use it as a cool media server or something. But, you know, computing parts are just so so hard to get today. And so if you do have, you know, PC that you're not using it anymore, rather than throwing it away, see if there's uh, someone in your circle that uh, could use it for some fun project or something. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, reuse. Don't don't discard. Uh, speaking of crypto mining, it's a little side uh, note here. There's a story about Norton Antivirus, which Norton Antivirus is ages, ages old. I mean, this has been around for, for so long. Uh, their latest version has a crypto miner in it that you can install. Some people are like, oh, they're secretly mining crypto on your computer and using up your electricity to do it and taking some of the money. It's actually not quite as bad as as it all sounds. They actually announced it. Uh, that they were including a crypto miner when they announced the product last year. 
And when you see the 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 option there, it will tell you where do you want to install the crypto miner? You can earn money if we install this and use the the, the idle time of your computer to make money, etc. And they do take a percentage. They take a high percentage. It's fifteen percent of any money that's earned, which is apparently higher than uh, most. Uh, so what that does is it pools the resources from all the the computers running Norton Crypto, and they all work together on mining the crypto. I, I don't want to get into how crypto mining works because that's just complicated. But just it, a bunch of computers work together to solve a math problem, and then it, it creates cryptocurrency. And by organizing the pool, they're entitled to a portion of the money. And so I can see that the board, the, the board meeting or the, the meeting at the in the office, you know, there's a lot of computers running our software. If we got just even a part of the, a portion of those to use some of their idle time, we could like really raise our bottom line on this product. And the product manager went, yes, ship yeah. it. Um, it's But it's not nefarious. And it doesn't install it secretly, and it doesn't run it secretly. It may, it's not necessarily a good deal for you because you, you're probably spending more on electricity than you're earning in crypto, potentially. So, especially now, yeah. yeah. Do you remember back in um, like the AOL days? You had dial-up providers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Net Zero was one of them yep. that would display ads, and I think you had like inbox dollars or something that you could have an ad displayed while you were online right? and get money doing that. It kind of reminds me of that whole thing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I remember like the things where you, you know, if you, you clicked here, you answered this survey, you could earn pennies and you, you just spend all your time online. Yeah. Going through, my sister was huge into that sort of thing. I'm like, it's such a scam and a waste of your time. You're not earning yeah. any money, but yeah. And then you realize why you were on all this telemarketer list. Exactly. I'm I'm just thinking we've come a, a long way from when, you know, we had that SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, you know, SETI at home, you know, dedicate some of your PC thing to search for extraterrestrials and stuff. We've, yeah, we've gone from that into, uh, you know, dedicate a portion of your PCs to time to to make money out of thin air or whatever <laughs> uh, they're doing. You know, I'd uh, I used to I'd rather I used to run a SETI client on my uh, Mac years ago. Yeah, that was yeah. It was just something fun about the idea, and uh, and it was apparently useful. And they've they finished the project. They went through all of the radio signals, but uh, um, I don't know if they oh, they, they did. Yeah. Oh wow! Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, even more spoiler, they didn't announce that they'd found anything. So no, well, yeah. Well, didn't that get covered with Jimmy Aiken? Yeah, well, we're, yeah, yeah, I think we we talked about that once. <laughs> Mysterious world. So uh, let's move on to our next headline. This is an interesting one to me. Uh, Habitat for Humanity has built its first 3D printed house that they've given to uh, a worthy family. This was a house outside of uh, in Virginia. And uh, the CNN story doesn't give a whole lot of information. I had to go digging mm-hmm. to, to find out anything about what actually this house was. So they printed it in. 12 hours instead of four weeks. Uh, And now it's not literally the entire house is 3D printed. That's not how it works. All of the exterior walls are using this technology that builds up layers of concrete. It lays down uh, in the pattern of the whole house. So all the exterior walls are are built up concrete instead of 
wood studs and that sort of th- thing. And then um, there's a lot of the interior stuff is more conventional. But one of the really fun parts of it is, is that they, they give the homeowner a 3D printer and files that they can print any replacement parts for outlets and knobs and uh, all kinds of stuff in the house, oh, which I man. think is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's tried to like go to a hardware store and track down like a faucet stem for a faucet that's like 60 years old. Oh, <laughs> yes. We'll yep. appreciate that. Those faucet stems. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm starting a unit next, um, actually tomorrow. Um, so once every two years with our high schoolers in O'Neill, Nebraska, I do a um, STEM unit on AutoCAD and 3D printing. Uh-huh. And so um, we're actually going to be working on designing and building bridges and then having our 3D printer print out those bridges. So nice. I'm nice. not sure I would want to um, drive across a bridge printed on um, <laughs> printed on ABS on a 3D printer. But, no, yeah. no. But, but concrete you one, can design maybe. them. Yeah. So, and it... <laughs> And as someone who's worked on habitat houses in Miami and and uh, and Detroit here, I could tell you that any that this is a very good step. I mean, because uh, I've had more than one habitat you know coordinator tell me you know like what's another word for habitat you know, for humanity to rework because you have volunteers coming in and things get thrown together uh, anyway, and then the next crew comes in and has to take it out. I yeah. mean, granted, some projects are a lot more uh, coordinated mm-hmm. than that, but anything that takes that out and, you know, consistency, modularity, and, and that sort of thing, um, uh, uh, you know, that's, it's, this is a good step. Yeah. I like the yeah. replaceable parts. Um, I've, um, I know with a lot of our older computers in the school, um, if plastic parts break on it, I've been printing them out and that's kind of uh-huh. cool to be able to do. Yeah. I, I wonder like if there are, there's probably like a CD-ROM drawers in the, in mm-hmm. the doors being able to re- 3d print the replacement parts. For exactly. Those. Yeah. You're exactly what I do um, yeah. is I don't put CD-ROMs back anymore because no one uses them. And so I create the face plate over okay. it just to cover it up. Um, and nice. 3D print that, and they pop right in, and they. What a, yeah, that's awesome. 3D, I'm I'm so close to getting a 3D printer. <laughs> uh, Thomas has almost cut, uh, convinced me, and I just I just got to pull the trigger on it. I need a place to put it, so that's the that's that's the only thing holding me back now. Uh, Not because... as cheap as a fountain pen. No, I know. I get, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love my fountain pens, but yeah, that's the that's the next. Uh... Next step as well, although I think my kids would just spend all my, you know, 3D ink or whatever, thermal plastic, just printing out like Star Trek ships or something. But mm. uh, I'm I'm all in the the idea of printing out Lego br- uh, bricks. It's cheap. It's cheap. It's like 25 bucks a roll. It's... Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm, yeah I tried uh, making yeah. my own Lego bricks. I if You can actually dissolve Lego bricks in uh, acet- acetate or acetone, you know, nail polish remover. Uh-huh. So that is a great way to traumatize a child is get a little bit of acetone and then drop a Lego brick in there and it just dissolves into Lego goo that you can then (laughs) model into really whatever you want and let it dry out. But um, (laughs) that's that's uh, that's interesting. That's I hadn't thought about that. But uh, yeah, you can create your own. uh, You could like build a Lego factory that makes Legos that dissolves and then recast them and make the factory out of Lego. 
Well, if you want like Legos in a certain color or, you know, that you don't have, you can kind yeah. of mix and match and stuff. And That's actually a really interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, so and then our uh, next headline. So CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, the big uh, extravaganza every year in La- Las Vegas, uh, they, they actually held it this year. I, I think many fewer people went in the times of the pandemic. Uh, but there was some interesting stuff that came out of that. And one of them was BMW showed off a car you know it's just a it's a car so no big deal but it's what was on the car they covered it in e-ink basically like you know like a kindle uses e-ink and so it it changes color quote unquote the only thing i saw was it changed from white to black uh because i don't know if there's actually color e-ink or how expensive it would be to wrap a car. It's very expensive color (laughs) e-ink yeah (laughs) i was gonna say because uh yeah this would but this uh, they didn't talk anything about how costs or anything like that, but it's very it's very flashy, literally, and uh, it it it's it probably costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a least. it's a Beamer. Does anyone care how much it really costs? <laughs> it's a Beamer. Well, they're not selling it too. I don't think you can actually yeah. buy this. Uh, uh, there are still technical flaws, like um, if it's too hot or too cold out, it won't work correctly. But this is totally going to ha- like be in some either like a heist movie or. A Spy oh, movie, you know, we're looking for a red card. He hits the button and it turns blue. You know, I mean, just <laughs> or 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 if like you needed to hide in a bunch of zebras since it's just black and white, you could <laughs> put stripes on the car. But it is one step closer to you know a, a quote unquote cloaking you know uh, device or yeah. you know where where if you can mimic what's behind the car and apply that to the you know skin of the car. At least in some abstract way, you know, like the digital camo patterns, those weren't, you know, you know, just yep. it, it, it's it's a cool idea. And the, the video is definitely worth watching uh, because it does oh, look yeah. very cool what they're able to do with it. And you apply it to like military tech, like, you know, planes, boats, tanks, you know, that that begins to become very interesting from a practical standpoint. When, you know, and they get the money to spend on that sort of thing. So uh, I just thought it was interesting. And so speaking of CES, there was there was some other, I don't know if you guys saw, had seen anything out of CES, but one thing that I saw, it, it, everyone else had this, you know, the a best, it got best of CES in a bunch of different lists. The Lenovo ThinkBook Plus Gen 3. And what made this win is it's a 17-inch ultra-wide screen but it also has just imagine underneath this 17 inch wide ultra wide screen there's three quarters of the of the of the below part of it where the keyboard goes is the keyboard and then one quarter is like it's it's got an iPad built in you know like a a, a tablet screen i mean this is the dumbest idea ever like because you it's like, like where you put your coffee. <laughs> well, you're typing like offset. You're only use like off to the side of yeah. the screen. It's just like it's like. Does anybody sit like to the left side of their computer screen, or does everybody have their computer screen directly centered in front of them? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a terrible idea. I, I have a problem with trackpads. Like putting my hand down on a tablet, and then suddenly, you know, like. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, is it? I'm wondering if the point of it, because I see a pen next to it. Yeah. The point of it is to kind of be like the um. Oh, what's the drawing tablets that have been like a Wacom? Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm thinking that's kind of the point of it. Um, right. It's like I think it's like kind of a, It's yeah. kind of a niche market, but well, they say things like you could use it to take notes because you know paper or 
you have a computer in front of you, you could type, uh, or you could put a calculator, or you could put palettes from like you know Photoshop or something down there, or whatever. I, I mean, I guess I just it's it seems very gimmicky to me. You know what this reminds me of? This is taking the horribleness of the MacBook Pro when they put that touch bar up there and took away <laughs> yeah. all your function bars, and this is taking it to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah. You're just taking a horrible idea that Mac had and admitted it was bad and abandoned it, and you're thinking this is a good idea. I, I kind of like the touch bar, but I wish they had kept the function key row too, but yeah, that's that's another conversation. It's... And it's so easy these days to extend your desktop onto your phone or your tablet. And yeah. you know, even different applications have specific, you know, control apps that you can download in the app store to control the application on your desktop. So, yeah, I, I think it's <laughs> it's it's a cool concept. Uh, I, I don't see it catching on, but um, yeah. I think for the for the right user, there's probably use case for it somewhere. Um, <laughs> I really like the 17.3 inch ultra wide. If you yeah. could just expand the keyboard for the whole thing, <laughs> right? That be a, that be an awesome laptop. But put a ten key number pad over there, you know, or something. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I don't know if you guys saw anything else from CES that you thought was interesting or fun to to look at, but uh, it it looked pretty iterative. Like, um, yeah, you know, in past CESs, it's like you know here's a drone and when you first see drones oh that's so cool or here's like a you know 3d hologram projector you know a lot of the really crazy stuff what we see in this best of lifts is a lot of um mm-hmm. you know we've we've made a curvy monitor even more curvy or you know <laughs> right that sort of thing but um and i, I definitely think that's just you know, maybe where the industry is if, if you know you're yeah. not going to get a lot of foot traffic you know you're not going to roll out your crazy uh you know plus chip shortages and such yeah, yeah. Yeah, you hit on one one thing that I noticed isn't there that you usually see in CES, and that's usually NVIDIA has something big right. um, oh, in the yeah. video car market. Nothing. Um, it's just crickets from NVIDIA. Um, yeah. So that's noticeable for this, that there's... I think they had a couple things that were like, hey, we're selling the same video card we had two years ago, but right. with a different yeah. name. <laughs> right. Uh, one thing I, I thought was fun was uh, the TP-Link has a new router that has uh, four antenna that have electric motors, and they change position and point as you move around the house. They, like, follow your devices oh, to wow. optimum radio transmitting. And it, I mean, it, I don't know how useful it is, but it looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but actually the one thing i'm looking at uh it's tom's guide's best of list yeah. and one thing that really caught my attention is the smart home lock from schlage uh schlage is a big name you know yale they and schlage are big names and uh, uh locks and door locks regular ones and this is a it's a new smart lock that uses uh apple's virtual keys so you can unlock your door with your watch or your phone you've been able to do that with bluetooth and an app and this stuff for a while now with a bunch of different locks but they're not they're not as good as they claim to be the bluetooth ones just bluetooth is not that good uh but the the apple's virtual key system is supposed to be much better 
And so this is very interesting to me. I'd like to see it in use, like maybe at an Apple store or something yeah. uh, before I plunk down money yeah. for it. But I like to the simple to simplify the concept um, to think about when you go up to at a store and you're able to do the Apple pay. Yeah. Right. And so the concept of this is that I'm able to go up to my door, have a receiver at my door, put my watch in front of it. And, um, it works. The thing that I saw, and I'm not sure if it was this one or if it was another show, but they were looking at this technology for hotels. Yeah. And Ooh, especially in the, yeah. yeah, yeah, especially in the COVID era right now, um, that I have a hotel room that I've taken out, um, that through the app, they allow their hotels app to mm-hmm. take the NFC of my phone and I hold my phone up to the door and they've given my phone permission to unlock that particular door. Um, yeah. And so there can be zero contact and not have to have, um, we're kind of replacing bellhops, but. Yeah. Right. Um, or those awful, awful magnetic keys that, that, that deprogram like by being within the five feet of your phone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've spent some time in hotel rooms uh, this past fall and I can't tell you how often I had to go to the front desk <laughs> to replace the stupid, cause I had to keep it, I had to keep it in my back pocket where, where away from my phone or my keys. Oh, I hate those things. So if you could, yeah, if you could do it, just programming your phone, you don't have to stop at the front desk. You just go straight to the room and wave your phone at the hotel door. That would be amazing. Yeah. I don't think I'd use this for my my home. Like I said, I'm really big into home automation, but the one thing I haven't, um, you know, automated is anything having to do with physical access. So it's it's bigger than just the slag lock. But mm. I mean, if somebody wants to get in, they're going to they're going to get in. But yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather not have them get in just because they, you know, went <laughs> um, to YouTube and learned how to hack a <laughs> Bluetooth <laughs> lock or something. Yeah. the inf- So the the nerdy information security side of me. Um, I'm looking at this the moment I'm connecting this to my Wi-Fi network, right? Yeah. If it is, um, I've opened up the vulnerability now. Um, and it's why as much as a computer nerd I am, I don't get into this smart home automation stuff because I still want a lock and key. Um, I have a smart lock on our, on my house and I, I went because as easy as it might be, it's easier to break into my house physically than it yeah. is to hack the door. But that's um, true. That's and true. it came in handy when when uh, so this past fall we were displaced from our house because of a uh, an, um, damage to the house water leak, and getting the the guys in the workers in and out of the house use it with the the uh, key codes was big, and then I could kill the key code when they were no longer needing access, and I didn't have to be here, didn't have to give them a key. Uh, that that aspect was really good. That is, yeah. Cool. I've done a lot of um, rental homes online, uh, vacation oh, yeah. homes, and yeah. um, Airbnbs and stuff, and that's very popular. Yep. In those yeah. that they change the every, code on you. Yeah, every place we stayed uh, went because we stayed in a series of Airbnbs that the insurance put us in, and every place we stayed had a uh, that a, a smart lock for the door, and yeah, that was much better than than using a rake, having a, those little real estate boxes with the key inside that <laughs> are impossible to open because of weather. 
Oh, yeah. One more that jumped out at me. The L'Oreal Color Sonic. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. I, I not a product for me, obviously, as I as I don't have hair. But this is a basically <laughs> it looks like a, a Keurig for your hair. Basically, you have these these pods, you put them in a wand and by brushing it through your hair, it can dye your hair. So you don't need to, you know, put the dye in and all the wow. other stuff. You just put it right into this wand. And then um, so I don't know. I don't know how that will work or anything, but uh really interesting and if it's going to be like one of those you know juice machines where you have to buy their special juice packets or something and it's you know no point to it but it looked like a really cool idea and it looks like a really cool product and yeah um you know something new and something wacky and that's kind of the the ces uh yes yeah i think this guy's coming out of um covid kind of um in the fact that um you know you had a lot of people who were people that you we found out who dyed their hair over COVID. <laughs> right, yeah. I'll yeah. just say that. Yeah. And they weren't able to get to the salons. And so now trying to make those salon products for, That's for home. And yeah. it just makes me think like all those science fiction movies we saw, like what was the one the Schwarzenegger go to the, get to the moon, uh, get to the Mars. Um, Total Recall. Total Recall. You know, and I think there was at one point I, there was like a secretary, I think I remember who was either dying or nails at, with the touch of a thing or dyeing her hair or something like that. But this is the sort of thing that science fiction has been telling us is going to happen. And, you know, here it is. You know, it's almost here. All right, let's move on to our picks of the week. And uh, this is where we each of us come up with something that we want to something we think is cool, fun. uh, We may have used or we just want to recommend. So, Victor, I'm going to let you start off for your first time. What is your pick this week? Yeah, so we've been talking about our favorite video games, and a lot of them are retro video games. And um, anybody who's into retro video video games knows that it's kind of a gray area legally if you start to play around with emulators and and ROMs that you may not, uh, you know, legally have a license to play. But there is a company in the UK, and and they're making a handheld system called the Evercade, and that's also the name of the the company, the the Evercade. And their approach is somewhat different. They sell cartridges in you know actual physical cartridges and clamshell boxes and each cartridge has you know eight twelve you know so, so many retro games on it and you know you won't find mario or anything here there's a lot of like british games and um uh some of the newer ones have like newer indie uh games on it but it's just a really fun um you know little system and you get to collect cartridges and put the cartridge boxes on yourself like you did with your your sega genesis boxes and uh you know, uh, play some old games that you probably haven't played just because they, they haven't been available uh, in this country. But there's, you know, arcade games, 8-bit, 16-bit type games. So it's a fun mm-hmm. little system. Um, it's handheld now, and they're coming out with a, a console version that you can have up to four players playing at once. Okay. And, so, uh, yeah, they by company, like the cartridges, like, like Namco and Atari. and Yeah. Some, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and the cartridges themselves are about 20 bucks uh, and they have, you know, like I said, 10, you know, 15 games on some of them. So I mentioned in a previous episode when we were talking about gaming consoles um, and getting around the gray legal area of ROMs um, that you can go to archive.org's um, hmm. website and they'll emulate the games on their website for you. Um, right. And they've gained... Um, They've had Supreme Court cases come up that um, they're legally able to do that because they're a library. Um, By the way, the, it looks like the the console is available. It says uh, starting December 2021. So apparently. 
Yeah, they had some supply chain issues. I think in the U.S. it'll start shipping at the end of this month. But um, like like I said, if you have an affinity for old games or quirky games um, and just really like collecting, you know, cartridges and boxes and stuff, they're just, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Nice. Um, And legal, too, which is great. Awesome. Excellent. Thanks. Good pick. And Father Joseph, what's your pick this week? Um, My pick for the week um, is... Goes with gaming. We'll stay on topic here. Um, the Epic Game Store each week um, does a free game of the week, and so if you um, make a habit of checking their website each week, um, this week um, I don't really like this game. It's Gods Will Fall. Um, I even though it's free, I haven't claimed it. Um, but ne- next week is Galactic Civilizations Three. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't yes. know if that's part of the same family as one you play or not, um, but I think it's a similar concept there. Yeah, um, thank you. And so that's a fun thing that you can get free things. And then I just wanted to um, give a flashback to um, Thomas had a pick on episode 38 of Humble Bundle. Um, oh, yeah. And that's oh, yeah. A, that's another way to get good games. Um, and Humble Bundle, the nice thing is when you buy them, you can pick the charity they go to. And one of those listed charities that you can change to is SQPN. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know that we've really gotten anything from them, but uh, but yeah, that would be nice. If Yeah, Humble Bundle is a way to that where the, the industry basically is giving stuff to charity uh, by selling stuff very cheap and you kind of pick your price and the more you give, the more you pay, the bet more you're giving to charity um, and of uh, various things, including games and books and other stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's really neat. It's good. Good pick. Um, all right. So my pick is something that has become very useful to me this past uh, few months. I got an iPhone 13 this year. I upgraded my iPhone 11 and that has MagSafe charging which is get that magnet in the back and uh, i wanted to get a new stand for to charging at my bedside and so uh, i already had the little puck that apple you know sells you with the uh with the uh the iphone uh that does the charging itself but i needed i didn't want it to lie flat facing straight up i wanted to be able to see the screen and so alago it's a company i've they they've been making uh, some things they they sold an apple watch charging stand that looks like an old um original macintosh which i had to have and now i own of it of course <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course i mean they that's that's like right in the wheelhouse it was a brilliant marketing move on their part anyway they sell a charging stand that's compatible with magsafe phones and it's basically a silicone ball with a flat bottom two two flat sides a flat bottom to to sit on the you know the table the end table in my case and then a, a a flat side where the charging puck goes. So you have to bring your own charging puck with it. Uh, and it's sixteen bucks. It you know uh, in fact. And then right now you can get ten percent off. They have a, another coupon on it. So um, you know it's like it's like sixteen dollars yeah. for this. And it's 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 simple and it's really handy. And I really like it. I I keep it on my bedside. Um, and uh, it looks it's stylish. It looks nice and uh, very very useful. So, available in jean indigo and sand pink <laughs> I got black. No, it, it's a very very pleasing design yeah i like that yeah. It, it looks like it would it would look really good sitting on your desk yeah yeah it's very nice i might actually get a second one for my for my 
desk as a so it doesn't come with the charger though it's just it it's just the a holder for the charger there's a there's so if i really like this i could just 3d print it you probably could yeah, yeah. i mean it's this is made of soft silicone ah that, okay that, okay so that might make a difference in how it, well it works <laughs> but i wouldn't be surprised if there on what on thingiverse there isn't a yeah a printer designed for this sort of thing um th- I, there's, I think there's something about the MagSafe charger puck that makes it hard for third parties to to mm-hmm. make them because I've seen a lot of these various docks and stands that make you bring your own puck, um, you know, and like really Apple's the only place where you can get it. So I, I don't know what's, what's going on with that, but uh, it is interesting that that's the case. I, I've, I've been trying to get a new MagSafe charger holder for my car, and it's hard to find a decent one. That's that's a MagSafe one, like not a you have to put this big metal plate on the back of your phone to make it stick thing. Yeah. In, in any case, um, yeah. So that's my pick. But the the real question is, could you three D print it in sand pink though? In well, I mean, do you have sand pink ABS? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> awesome. All right, so that should do it for us. Uh, we would love to hear what you think of. Anything we had to talk about, we want to. I want to hear what your favorite video game was. What's your favorite video game now, or from the past, or your video game memories? I'd love to hear from listeners and on the the things that you enjoy and what what makes you enjoy them, why they're why they're fun. So you can get a hold of us by commenting on the show at sqpn.com/technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com/starquestmedia, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And we'll have, of course, links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at sqpn.com. We'd love for you to write a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you can write podcast reviews and share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community. We're really trying to provide a service to the community, to to people from who are would benefit from this sort of talk. And so help us reach more listeners. We really appreciate it. Until next time, Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Don. Father Joseph Sund, thank you as well. Reticulating spines. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. And remember, EA Sports, it's in the game. <laughs>